Hey, this is Mike. Hey, this is Kaz, and you are listening to Two Broke Watch Knobs. You have made it all the way. You have made it all the way, Michael and friends, to episode 140, right? Nope. <laughs> what episode <laughs> is this? This is 139. Oh, I even wrote it down. You have made it all the way, Michael and friends, all the way to episode 139. Did you ever see the scene in Monty Python where it's like one? Two, five, three, star three. When he was, he was counting down a holy hand grenade of, uh, of Antioch. Yes, <laughs> that's what I just did, except without all the luster and prestige of being, you know, Arthur. To episode almost one forty. Episode to episode one forty light. <laughs> no, this is going to be a lot of fun. Sorry about that. I think the, I, I will say I think it's the first time in one hundred and thirty nine episodes I fucked up the intro. Or no, wait, it's not, is it? I don't know. We can go back. We can have a we can have a TBWS listening marathon. God damn it! All right. How long do you think that would take? Jeez. Uh, we can math it. Uh, <laughs> approximately that me. approximately an hour and a half per episode, or 139 episodes. So that's uh, how many how many 60s are 139? Mm, this is this is gonna go very poorly, my friend. Let's just let's just do this. Let's tell people what we're doing here. Hey everyone, Kaz here from Turbo Watch Knobs. You have made it all the way to episode 139. This is going to be a really cool episode. There's a lot of really fun um, watch news. Some really cool, relatively cool shit. You'll hear our thoughts on it um, that have come up in the watch industry lately. Uh, there's also a lot of really fun stuff on the website, which is super super cool. Picking that back up again. Uh, but the topic for the day, um, Michael and I have decided it's been too long it's been too goddamn long since we've talked about some motherfucking soviet watches up on this podcast right i i agree it's yeah, been too it's kind of kind of our bread and butter it was it was it's uh, for for a long time it was definitely the hook on the show um you know yeah. i i'm very passionate about soviet watch history um soviet watches kind of really helped spur my particular taste within urology and watch collecting and things like that and so um a lot of the episodes in the past have been have featured Russian watches or Soviet watches or, you know, um, um, were about them solely, you know, and so we wanted to kind of um, hit Soviet watches again today hard, or this week hard. So um, episode 139 TBWS, uh, this episode is on the history, excuse me, the history of Raketa watches. Um, Raketa is probably one of the more... Probably one of the more well-known Soviet slash Russian watch brands, just because technically they're still around. But in all honesty, they're they probably have one of the richest histories of any watch brand mm. in 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 the so during the Soviet Union at the time. So that's like what nineteen seventeen to nineteen ninety one, nineteen ninety two. I think was when the SU fell. Um, so history about the Raketa watch factory. Um, we'll talk more about that, you know, but first we should, we should, I want to do, I want to do a wrist check. I want to do a wrist check, but I, I have to call out, uh, you remember, I think it was last week we did a challenge episode where we kind of, we were doing, we were doing summer quartz watches, like best watches, best quartz watches for summer. And the challenge was that we should not mention, we, we had challenged ourselves to only ever mention at all on that episode quartz watches. Do you remember that? That, yeah. Apparently we did not. Apparently we screwed he, up. Yeah, somebody somebody called me out for a watch. Uh, uh, the GMT what did Master. You, what did you hear? No, yeah, oh, did the, I say something about the GMT Master? Yeah, that, yeah. I mean, uh, 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 that, 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 that's what I saw. Someone on the website. 
had mm. called us out because we mentioned the GMT Master. And that's okay. Somebody also told me that I mentioned at some point the SN SNZH53, the Seiko like 55 Fathoms looking thing. Oh, shit. Yeah. So just like a lot of things, you know, failure. Uh, <laughs> I'd expect I'd expect nothing less from the two broke watchdogs. <laughs> uh, it's okay. It was a fun episode, and that means that people listen. So, yeah, <laughs> right. That was actually that was actually a really fun episode. Really huge thank you to everyone that um, hit us up afterwards, emailed, DM'd, commented, and shared your thoughts on our summer watch picks and also your picks for court mm-hmm. summer watches. I thought that was a lot of fun. It's always fun when we get that kind of interaction. But but uh, yeah. but here, let's do this because um, we have a lot to cover this week. You want to do a wrist check? Should we do a wrist check together? Let's do a wrist check. You go first. I'm talking too much. I am wearing... Let me take it off so I can get a close look. It's a watch that has a lot going on. Are you I'm wearing... Super excited. Are you wearing that Invicta uh, Rainbow Bolt Quartz I reviewed on the site? I'm still I'm still waiting for you to ship it to me. <laughs> <laughs> do you still have that tiger concept i it's it's been on my nightstand since i got back from san francisco i'm assuming you keep it, it there moved. to ward off evil spirits right <laughs> it's, it's a dream catcher <laughs> it's, it's basically a dream catcher or or a nightmare inducer i mean it really depends how the polarity of the watch you know, has been set i still don't, i don't think it's that bad but that maybe that's a discussion for another day it looks <laughs> it looks good but it just when you get into it, it just wasn't for me. But here, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm cutting you off. What are you wearing yeah, right it's, now? It's okay. I'm wearing uh, a watch that I actually mentioned in the last episode. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Oh, it girl. Is, is the GMT uh, Master? It's the GMT Master too, right? No, no, definitely not. But I have a story about the GMT Master for this episode. Oh, good. I, anyway. <laughs> um, it's the Seiko SND253. Uh, it's, you bought uh, it. Yep, I could not resist. That's so cool. Um, Let me see this thing. It's just so like dirt cheap, man. And um, I, I, for for a long time, I you know you know how we've mentioned seventy seven fifty chronograph watches and kind of how they're they're like the Honda Civic of chronographs. Yeah. Um, you know, this thing is a this thing is a lot cheaper. And it's quartz <laughs> and it's Seiko. Um, the craziest the craziest thing about this watch is the size it's it's just like a solid 40 um about 46 lug to lug and like oh, it's actually much ten. smaller than i thought it was gonna be yeah yeah that's the thing so like if you're you know when you're looking at quartz like aviator style watches that are very entry level you um I don't know. I, I think like a lot of them are huge. Like some of the yeah. Eco Drive, like Blue Angels watches, they're pretty big. Even the Nighthawk, which has tempted me before, looks pretty big. Um, you know, but this one I was surprised to see that it was pretty, you know, modestly sized and it's perfect. Just and again, around ten millimeters thick quartz, so it's just super, super light. Wow. Um and you got the uh you have the whiz wheel, the bi directional whiz wheel, so you can <laughs> Is that what it's called? Fuel and direction. Is it really <laughs> called the whiz? Like the like 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 piss whiz? Like whiz wheel? <laughs> well, no, like whiz wheel. That's like uh, um, like cars whizzing by. No, it's like a whiz. Like you're you're a math whiz sort of deal. That's I think that's oh. what pilots say. Yeah, I don't like I mean, that. Okay, that's yeah, what no. we called it in school the whiz wheel. Um, 
Well, I, I didn't get no fancy school education or nothing. I uh, I grew up, <laughs> I grew up on the streets, streets of life, Michael. Streets, streets of Long Island. Sweet streets of Long Island, man. More like the streets um, of Fort Lauderdale Beach, but I mean, you know, rough. It's rough, rough out there. What else? Twenty millimeter bracelet tapers down to about eighteen. These are, uh, these are pretty was, solid dimensions, dude. Yeah, they're they're great dimensions. I I think this is technic this technically falls in Seiko's Flight Master collection or or one of one of those. Um, anyway, you have a date twelve hour chronograph running seconds. Long Island um, watch says Flight Master. So yeah, Flight Master. There you go. So when I was when I was reading about this, a lot of people kind of complained about the bracelet again what is that sound this this is the bracelet okay i thought i thought voles were gnawing at your drywall or something it sounded, <laughs> sounded like some kind of rodent was attempting to penetrate your hull but um okay the, is the the bracelet makes noise bracelet makes noise you know and people are like you gotta replace the bracelet right when you get it and i just i guess i guess i'm not picky about bracelets because i i you know, I adjusted this thing and it's fine. Yeah. You know, and people will like lose their shit over a Paul Newman Daytona and that bracelet is like way worse than this. Um Yeah, this it's a really weird thing. I think people on the internet A need to stop. Just stop. People on the internet just need to you just y'all, y'all motherfuckers gotta stop. Okay. Um the second thing is there's this really weird thing where it's like you can you can pass yourself off as more of an aficionado or a savant or if it's like, yeah, you can get that watch, but you got to do X, Y, Z, but you got to get X, Y, Z. And it's this yeah. weird, like, oh, they're clearly like a knowledgeable person because they're like recommending this. It's just like, like, mm -hmm. dude, like I, I guess, but at the same time, let people just do what they want, man. You know what I mean? Like, cause you're going to get someone who's either getting this watch for the first time or maybe who's just getting into horology or watch yeah. collecting. And they're going to think like, oh, okay, yeah, that's what I have to do. You have to do a goddamn thing, people. Yeah. You know what I mean? Just just buy stuff, see if you like it, and then make informed decisions on your own. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm sure it'll be nice. I don't think if somebody like, if I could find an Uncle Seiko product that, that would fit on this, I'm sure mm -hmm. that'd be great. Um, it's the bracelet will probably cost like more than half of the watch, which is hilarious. <laughs> but um, yeah, these things are like one twenty three or something around there. On if you go on eBay, it's not bad. Um, what else? Hold I the will, whole watch. Yeah, the whole the whole watch, <laughs> head and bracelet. That's incredible. Um, what else? Uh, the sake the movement. Oh, is my computer just randomly gonna update right now? That's cool. I don't know. It might. Uh, oh no, it's not. So the movement okay, is here. the seven seven T nine two quartz chronograph movement. It's a zero joule movement. <laughs> um, it's not. That's uh, not unheard of for quartz. Um, is, it, is, is it? Is it? Is it? Is it solar? It's not solar. Oh, it's not shit. solar. Okay. I'm actually. I'm actually wondering if it even has an end of life indicator. <laughs> I'm sure it does. There's gotta be uh, some way you can press the buttons if you like. If you like, I don't know jiggle the buttons and cup the bowls and relax your jaw it might tell you it might tell you what the that's not how you check battery life but i'm just i'm assuming you, there's gotta be some kind of way like you can press the buttons and the hands will tell you how long it has to live or whatever yeah what um what's funny about this chronograph movement is so like on on lower i'm not gonna say lower end but on more economical 
Quartz. More, more accessible is the more phrase accessible. that I like to use. <laughs> Quartz chronograph movements. When you reset, you have the you have the main chronograph seconds hand do the little dance and go all the way around. Oh yeah, you know, classic. So this one has a combination subdial for the hours and the minutes. Yep, I see that. Um, and so when you reset, there's no snapback for that subdial. They also have to go all the way around both, yeah. both the minute and the hour hand. Yeah, <laughs> so yeah, yeah. Kind of, my my Gavox Rhodes does the same thing. Yeah, it's a it's a fun little dance to to witness. Um, the only really bad thing about this watch, and I'll call Seiko out on this. I I mean, whatever. The crown is the smallest crown it ever in history. <laughs> like it's just <laughs> anywhere. It's a crown for ants. <laughs> I was just going to say, what is this? A crown for ants? It needs to be three times larger. Actually, a, a three times larger would, would actually kind of work. I'm looking at a photo of it right now. Look, the chronograph buttons look bigger than the crown almost. At least it's in this painful, photo. It's painful, dude. It, and it's, if, it was, if it was a push-pull crown, I could understand. It's a screw down? Is, it's a screw down. Whoa, and I'm just like, man. That's funny. I have to like... I mean, it's. Cool. I gotta set some time aside to like. <laughs> I I gotta, mean, thank God it's quartz, you know. I, I gotta do some push-ups. I gotta block out some time in my calendar. I have to eat Wheaties. Um, I mean, it's cool that it screws down. It just sucks that it's not very maneuverable, you know. Yeah. Otherwise, solid, solid quartz uh, chronograph watch. There are a lot of. Um, if you look back at the seven, I think it's called the seven T three two. Seiko chronograph a lot of those um pilot watches that they made back in the 90s with i guess an earlier version of this caliber mm. they're actually pretty collectible so i i also see this as a sort of modern day evolution of the 7 uh 7t32 chronograph um and if you if you look for those on ebay they're pretty saying, tough to get actually are you saying 7032 Seiko 7032 7 T three two. Oh T, so like like so T isn't like Tommy T. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Cause I typed in Seiko seven zero three two. I'm just gonna get a bunch of tutors. I'm like, what the fuck? <laughs> seven T This isn't what 22. I ordered. Yeah, no, I see yeah, these now. Yeah. Cool. Cool, cool. Yeah, cool. they're 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 pretty rad. But that's that's what I'm wearing, and it's uh I don't know. It's a good solid weekend watch, you know. Couple it's, uh Couple yeah. questions. You already know what one of them is. One of them are. Mm, fuck. Fuck grammar. The <laughs> uh, first question you already know what I'm going to ask. I'm going to ask it. Just get out. Of the, get out of the way. Is is it staying in the collection? Are you keeping it? Um. Are you undecided? I <clears throat> think I'm going to keep it pretty long term. Okay. I I have to. I have to stop getting rid of Seikos, man. There was just. There's no point. They're always gonna come back. Like I mean, I suppose you could look at it more like you get rid of Seikos so you could buy more and enjoy them as the product line evolves, which we'll talk about today. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. It's uh it's it's pretty solid, man. And if I do get rid of it, it's not gonna be like, hey, I'm gonna sell it. Like it's I'll, I'll probably just give it away. If make a like. make a sweet thirty seven dollars. Lose half of that in shipping. No, I yeah. hear you, man. So, second question: Do you think we'll be seeing a review of it on the TBWS site? You know, I'd like to review it because I just don't think I don't think a lot of people 
have reviewed this one. There's another there's another version. I think if you if you search Seiko Flightmaster, mm-hmm. there's another one that's uh like a little bit bigger. It has an alarm function and yellow accents. I really don't know the the reference, but it's pretty it's pretty popular. Um, oh, I see. This, this thing reminds me of the Nighthawk. Yeah, it's a little bit bigger too. There's a lot of fucking um, shit going on in this watch. God damn. Yeah, I'm looking at yeah, the S. I think for the sake of just, you know, SMA four eleven, that's the yep. one. Yep. Looking at this too. Yeah, the p- the pushers are screwed down also. The crown is a little bit bigger. Oh shit. That's yeah. kinda cool. It is eh. Maybe I should have gone for that one. That one's pretty rad. I like yours Duck. more because when I look at this one, it it literally looks like it's just full of bees. I don't understand. <laughs> I can't read any of the text in this fucking so if someone put a gun in my mouth and told me to calculate the miles per hour that we were going on a bus he would just have to shoot the back of my head out because i would not be able to do it on this fucking watch it's definitely a busier watch and uh but yeah i think um i think this one's uh better sized yeah um and if again if you look at some of the really collectible quartz uh seiko pilot chronographs this one is very very similar um it's not too far off from uh you know even some of the military issued ones i think uh maybe well those didn't have slide rule bezels but same kind of vibe you know this thing would kill it on a nato by the way and you never you never say that yeah i know know. (laughs) you never never say that so i i do agree with you i think uh i think it could be um could be a lot of fun are the i can't tell on these photos what is this virus threat protecting go fuck yourself windows don't give a shit don't give a shit. <laughs> all right. Um, I'm anti-vax on my laptop. Get the fuck out of here. My, <laughs> my laptop's natural immunity will protect it. Sorry, we're not going to talk about that. Um, what was I? What the fuck was I about to say to you? I was about to say words to you that were important. Uh, um, um, the NATO's, I can't tell on these photos, um, the lugs on your S- SND253, they're not drilled, are they? Uh, no, they're you have, not. You, have, you, yeah. you just gotta dig in the back of them with one of those spring bar tools? Yeah. Too quick. Cool. In this house. I lost all of my spring bar tools. Does anybody want to give me one? It's funny because <laughs> all the ones I've ever gotten have broken. Even the one <laughs> even the one I bought from that place that I'm not going to name um, at one of the wind-ups, I bought it for like 30 bucks. And the guy's like, yeah, this will never cheap, break. Dude. There's a better chance of Cthulhu fucking rising from the ocean and strangling all your enemies to death than this fucking watch. Like watch spring bar tool breaking. I'm like, oh, you fucking sold me, dude. Here's my, here's $35. Here's my social security card. Here's my <laughs> V card. Like, I'm in it, man. Like, yeah. And the fucking broke. Just broke. You know? Uh so I've become very creative <laughs> in what I use. I've used um, I've used safety pins as spring bar tools. What actually that hurts though. It, it's you know all, a risk. All, all pleasure comes with a little bit of pain. That's what I've learned. Yeah. So I get the pleasure of getting my bracelet off, but the pain of stabbing myself in the thumb, which is fine. <laughs> you know. Um, I also use I have little movement screwdrivers. I know I'm not supposed to use them for this, but they're small enough to where I can get in the back of the watch. Mm, okay. You know so. We should make a spring bar tool that, you know, doesn't suck ass. What do you think? And not I mean, just, if that's something people are interested in. And not just a spring bar tool that we, like, just put our, our as I punch my microphone, fuck. As we, not like a spring bar tool, we just put our logo on. Yeah. Like, I want to make it. Make it? Uh, make a, it. Forge it. Forge it. 
in the mountains of Mordor, dude, behind the walls for some reason, you know? All right. Yeah, we can talk about that. Let's 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 rev on some ideas. Um I'm very what distracted. Are, I'm sorry. What are you wearing? I yes, we're doing oh, we're doing a show. Yes. Um <laughs> We are doing a watch and or podcast. Uh, in honor of today's topic, the history of Riketa watches, obviously I'm wearing my Riketa Big Zero. The watch we get... <laughs> I, don't, I don't have that one. <laughs> the, yeah, right. <laughs> Just, no watch... How, how can I... Uh, I'm really not... I'm not English savvy right now. No the f- amount of correspondence that we get about that watch. People ask us... Yes. People ask us about this watch more than anything. Yeah. And Almost I'm, daily, I think yeah. you might get a DM or something. And now I'm getting comments on the post because I have two big zero posts um, on the site. I have the buying guide and then I have the one where it's pointing out like fake aspects of um, big zeros on eBay. And it's uh, it's really sad because for some reason over the past two or three years, the market on these things has fucking mm-hmm. hit it so hard. They're either, everything is either fake or if you do see something that could be be as close to real as possible because real as you will learn um the more you listen to tbws with soviet watches real is relative uh in the reality of things you know and it's just like 99.9 percent of the times if people are asking me like hey is my big zero real or more more realistically like hey is this big zero real like the answer is no like um, it's really hard i don't understand what's going on it's entirely possible that they've all just been purchased or what's more likely and this is actually like weirdly common not just in watches but anything where you're dealing with vintage items people who are selling the items don't think you want a watch that looks like it's been thrashed even though it's original so what they'll do is they'll basically replace parts they'll make their own parts and replace them and make it look new to and they think that oh okay like it looks better people will pay more money for it now but what you've done is you've basically just annihilated the originality of the watch. It's now a Franken watch, or potentially mm-hmm. just a fake, depending on how far gone your orological Botex, Botox has gone. You know what I mean? Orological Juvederm. So, <laughs> sorry. Um, so, I don't know. It's tough. It's been really, really tough lately. The other thing, and I haven't brought this up in a while, and I realize and I get a lot of questions about it, and I realize people who are just getting into us or getting into Soviet watches don't really know this is a thing. I will, I cannot express this as clearly as I'm about to right now. 100% of the times, Michael, Michael, 100% of the times, if you see an eBay listing or someone's trying to sell you a Soviet watch, and and they say, oh, and by the way, I have, I have like the papers, the documents, you know, from. Vostok, from Riketa, from fucking Pobeta, from any of these goddamn stupid brands. I have the original paperwork here, and it's all in Cyrillic. That proves it's original 100% of the times. No. no. <laughs> Absolutely. It's fake. There's that, no... that would actually seem even fishier to me. But no, dude, people, I, I still get the questions. Like, like, oh, this one's got to be real. The guy's got the paperwork. Like, yeah, dude, it works for children and automobiles, but not really for Sophia watches. Paperwork doesn't really mean shit. Yeah. Paperwork doesn't mean shit, and honestly, most of the time, serial numbers don't mean shit. Mm. It's so hard to accurately determine the age or relative authenticity of a watch um, when you're dealing with Soviet watches. You just have to know what to look for, and you have to hope the sellers put up 
decent photographs. Photographs. You know what I mean? So it's tough, man. But yeah, I'm 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 I love my big zero. This is probably the first vintage watch I ever bought. I'm happy to be wearing it now. Um this is what I call my memory watch. I've worn this watch through like like every like huge monumental like occasion of my life and all that stuff, you know. So mm-hmm. I'm probably gonna be wearing this watch when I close on my new home, my first nice. new home this week. Nice. Uh, so <laughs> obviously have to have to continue accruing positive and negative memories with this watch. So <laughs> Oh man, but yeah, dude, um, it's tough. It's tough out there for Soviet watches. But the great thing is, it's if you play your cards right, you shouldn't really ever have to spend a lot of money. It's a really great, affordable, and accessible way of getting into like vintage watches that have like such a rich history, richer than you would probably realize without without like breaking the bank or being like okay i spent 30 bucks on this watch i'm not entirely sure if it's real i'll only know only i'll only know it's real when it gets here and if it gets to you and it's not real like yeah that sucks but bro you're only out 30 bucks and if it looks cool you can still wear it or just mod it take it as an opportunity to like yeah. i don't know mess around with it depending on which watch you get these russian calibers these these i should correct myself these soviet movements these soviet calibers they're incredible to learn on because they're mm. all so Soviet. I, we could talk about this more when we get into Raketa, but basically, um, Soviet watch movements at the time were designed as idiot-proof as possible. That's why you don't really see um, complications that really depend too much on your on your kind of um, gear train on the actual energy expended in the watch, because mm-hmm. they wanted these things to be serviceable. If the watch broke, you should be able to take it to someone to have it fixed, or in some cases. You fix it yourself, re-lubing, re-getting this part, tightening this, blah, blah, blah. You know what I mean? So if you want to tinker around and learn, there's some great Soviet movements out there. If you find some old Mjolna, Molnia, I can't ever say this, Molna, Molnia, M-O-L-J-I-N-A. Mm-hmm. I can't ever, I'm really bad at pronunciation, guys. If you find some old Mjolna, Molnia um, pocket wash movements, those are awesome. You can totally, because they're huge, and you can easily learn on them. It's like so, playing with Legos. Like playing <laughs> with Legos, guys. Who doesn't like fucking Legos? Man. But yeah, that's what I'm wearing in honor of today's episode. Um, so let's do this. Let's. So I want to hear about... You had an experience. You had an experience. Um, I also want to talk about the Seiko news. Uh, but before that, I just wanted to quickly, quickly thank everyone who has been using our Amazon affiliates link. Um, and also just want to take the opportunity to remind you guys if you're curious about it or if you want to support the show without doing anything extra, the Amazon affiliate link is the way to do it. Basically, if you click them on our Amazon affiliate links and then just search in Amazon for whatever you want to buy or whatever you're going to buy in the first place, Amazon essentially sends us a finder's fee without charging you anything more. So it's a great way of supporting TBWS uh, while also just doing what you naturally do without paying anything extra. So, yeah, huge shout out to everyone that has been using that. And um, just want to remind everyone, if you're on the fence, you know, definitely use it. It's easy. I mean, the extra step is just clicking, clicking a link. It's not really like a, it's not like super, super complicated. If you have any questions, definitely hit us up on that as well. But here, I'm, I'm talking far too much, Michael. Tell me, tell me, you were telling me, and I, I, I specifically didn't ask for details because I wanted, I wanted the magic of surprise on air. You went to an AD recently. I did. I um. Which AD <laughs> did you go to? Did you go to? Did you go to the, go to a good AD or a bad AD? 
I went to a big one here in Seattle. I'll just I'll say that, and there aren't really many. So <laughs> okay, uh, but but the issue is a little concerning. And you know, I, I like this place. Um, it, it's it's not really okay. <clears throat> I'm it's with not you. something. It's not something wrong with them specifically. It's something. It, it's a it's an issue that I'm really thinking about uh, when it comes to Rolex. So okay, uh, yesterday I was just kind of putzing around on YouTube and. Uh, you know, I saw a really good video that came out. Um, guy's name is uh, the channel's called Just Bluefish Watch Reviews, um, just like really high quality watch review videos and stuff. And he he did a video. Uh, I think he calls them watch rants or something like that. But the okay. title the title of the video is the Rolex way. Fuck you. We don't <laughs> care. <laughs> so like, I gotta watch this. <laughs> That's so good. And he, you know, he kind of goes through uh, yeah, everything that's happening with the the steel models and how difficult it is to get, and um, right. you know, just just how bad the rumor mill is now. Uh, he, you know, he kind of mentions that some people are now saying that they're going to their ads, and the ads are saying that Rolex is telling them to just take everything that's in the back room and put it in the front. And then Jesus. they're they're telling some other ads like hide everything, get everything under the display, like just take <sighs> everything off. And I'm like, that's that's kind of weird. I, I really don't think. I don't know if there there's like a pile of GMT masters like sitting hidden, <laughs> like guarded by a dragon. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, you know, I, I don't think that's necessarily the case. So I was, you know. I was kind of curious. We 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 went out to we went out to do some shopping yesterday, and uh, the the ad uh, the the big like watch place was in the area. So every time every time we we swing by, I, I like to you know poke my head in and see what they have. And of course, it's just it's just empty empty displays. That's um, so weird. We saw that in San Francisco too. That was so weird. <laughs> empty displays and, and i i told the woman i'm like how like that's that's completely embarrassing i told 100 i'm like that's that's embarrassing wow how, how can how can a company like be okay with that but anyways um she kind of you know we, we were talking for a bit and she's like well you know rolex sent us to uh training a year ago okay and you and just like kind of i'm not blaming her again i'm blaming rolex but she's Again, she said, well, you know, actually, the thing is, I was surprised to learn that it takes 14 months to build a Rolex watch. And just immediately, my wife was standing there and my filter for politeness just completely oh, no. malfunctioned. <laughs> and I just looked at her and I said, no, <laughs> absolutely not. And she's like, well, that's what they told us. I've, I've heard that too. So you're saying that's not true. Yeah. And I mean, that, and that's okay. You're, you're kind of a car guy. I, you know, I think the, like an, the average Ferrari, I think takes around like three months to build. Okay. Like how could a Rolex watch <laughs> a company that like, maybe they take a lot of breaks. I don't know. Like I doubt yeah. one, I doubt that full one year is them on the clock. Too. You know what I mean? I think I think some of the geeky like really geeky Rolex forums like dudes way back in the day they found out like it's potentially like 2000 watches per day. Um oh, I, I, wow. I I will say I will say 
Um, you know, uh, the number has like, no one's really ever nailed the number. Rolex is very private about that, but I find it very concerning that they're, that they're sending, you know, personnel from authorized dealers to their training seminars and they're, they're feeding them this bullshit as this kind of, yeah, yeah, as this kind of ammunition to, to tell people that want to, want to buy a a watch. Cause that, that, that cannot be true. It, It cannot be true. Um, it's it's a mass it produced. It doesn't make sense. Yeah, no. I mean, now that you now when you think about it, like that doesn't make Dude, sense. If if it takes a year to make a Rolex, well, how long does it take to to build a Grand Seiko? Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> which is actually which actually has several hand finishing stages. Yeah, they still um, haven't finished them yet. Realistically, yeah, right. if it takes Rolex one year, we haven't even seen one Grand Seiko. We've been hearing about them. You know? Jesus. So that I mean, I I, I kind of I was just like fuming dude and i i i she kept trying to like talk about it she was like well you know if there's if there's one that you're interested in i can take your name and it's just like oh man i, <laughs> I kind of just want to shove your head into this like glass display oh my God. <laughs> the, the, the full insta rage <laughs> dude oh man but um i will you know, say i will i'm your i'm your friend so only i only want like good things for you but i will say in terms of a business decision that might have been a good one the, the publicity for tbws would have been incredible yeah. if you had smashed that poor woman's face into the glass yeah. cabinet and the news had came and you said that rolex doesn't care and you're wearing a tbws shirt <laughs> as a business decision i would have encouraged it as your friend i would have not encouraged it yeah probably probably not we 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 also might lose our for female listeners, yes, um, it has nothing to do with gender. It has to do with misinformation. Yeah, you know, we are we are not fans of violence here uh, at TBWS. I will say so. I kind of controlled myself and I said, "Well, you know, maybe you're right." You know, I kind of I kind of <laughs> let it go. You know, maybe you're right, uh, but that's just something that does not seem accurate to me. And, did you uh, give her? Did you give her your name? Did you did you spell your name B E N? C L Y M E R. I said, I said, I've left my name at multiple locations, uh, and I've not received a call yet. So, um, that was that. And I just, I think it's getting worse. And, um, I, I'm personally really just thinking about brands that deserve my money more than I just than don't, I just don't I, understand what the long term. Goal is because enter. So if you, no business is immune to failing. Yeah, it's cliche, but the Roman Empire fell. If you know what I mean, if the Romans fell, anything could fall. As far as I'm concerned, so you have to actually like what's what's the long term business model like goal here? At a certain point, people are gonna stop buying your watches. They're trying to artificially turn themselves or like put like push themselves into the level of Patek or, you know, AP or something like that. There was something funny uh, that that like music producer, Praz, he's like a watch collector. He said this in one of his interviews that like Rolex is the McDonald's of the watch world. Like everybody knows what it is. <laughs> so good, actually. And you had you had the middle class boom in uh, in China and then, you know, also people in their uh, 20s and 30s really seeing this like watch collecting renaissance with the disposable income to to buy expensive watches and i think they kind of had to tell themselves like we don't want to be 
the McDonald's anymore. Like we gotta be, we have to be as exclusive, if not more exclusive than, mm. um, you know, Patek, AP or something like that, but they're doing it very artificially. Uh, and, and there's just a lot of misinformation and going back to this video from, from just bluefish, he's, he's like, dude, I'm getting back into guitars. I'm, you know, thinking about traveling, like put your money elsewhere yeah. in, in activities that are more, uh, enriching and, uh, enjoyable or just another brand like Omega, <sighs> Omega. He says that uh, Omega, you know, their limited editions are super annoying, but they're really transparent about how many they're making uh you go into their stores they're like incredible like planet ocean seamasters available incredible planet ocean gmts um you know just really cool watches that are i don't know they really really compete with rolex hardcore um and you can buy them and i just i think people are going to start taking their money elsewhere um this Maybe is it depends it, it, it as long as because the thing is Rolex won't give a shit who's buying the watches as long as someone's buying the watches. So if all of us watch folk stop buying Rolex, but people like people who who know about Rolex and who have a lot of money and want to buy it and keep buying it, Rolex won't care. They'll keep doing it. Yeah. So we'll we'll see. I don't really know. Um, anyway, I don't I don't want to I don't want to take this conversation here, but uh, we have some Seiko news to cover, but that that was my AD experience. Yeah. Headline: Rolex is still trying to feed you the the bullshit that it takes a year to to make one of their watches. That's fucking hilarious. That's fine because I, I I heard that too, and I thought that was true, but I just accepted it. But after us talking and properly thinking about it, it's like, dude, that doesn't make any sense. Yeah. Right. No. But yeah, here let's uh let's talk about Seiko. You want, talk talk about about, Seiko. you want to talk about these Seiko fives? Yeah. So some people, some people reached out and they were like, "Oh, the replacement of the SKX 007 is out," um, and I found that difficult to believe. Uh, the marketing is a little weird. So, but Seiko has a new Seiko five. Um, what is it? Automatic diver? What do you call it? Um, they, call, they call it sports uh, street. Something they split it up into five different collections. Seiko five sports. Blah 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 blah. This is this is how we do research for the sports? show, by the way. <laughs> sports suits specialist streets and sense. Sense. Okay. So the sense is that what? Okay, what makes sense about the sense? <laughs> like, <laughs> it's like the green one with reptile skin on the dial, or I don't know. What do you think of these, Kaz? Candidly? I think they're yeah. fucking stupid. Okay. I don't understand. They look like microbrand watches, dude. The 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 price bracket in which a lot of us exist, which is anywhere from like fifty to like three or four hundred ish bucks, it's beginning to cannibalize itself. Hmm. Big brands are now trying to look like microbrands. Remember those fucking um oh, those tags? Those Tag tags. Wires. They yeah, came those... out during. Those look, those look like fucking spinnakers. This this <laughs> this census this census fucking what the oh my god words this green one that has this fucking like 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 reptile skin dial over this looks like a fucking spinnaker. Hmm. With the cursive automatic and the green and the the textured dial like these, I don't. Um, I don't like these. 
I understand, I guess, what they're doing. I'm sure, I'm sure people are going to fucking eat these things alive with yamak sauce. I'm pretty sure people are going to love, sorry, I've watched, I've been watching a lot of DS9. I'm sure people are going to fucking love these watches. I don't enjoy them. If I want a watch that looks like this, I'm going to buy a micro brand. There's this Seiko, some of these have like that faux loom. Some of them have faux, faux Tina loom. Mm, yeah. We should also be clear that it's, it's the same watch. It oh, so it's twenty seven different versions of the same watch spread across these uh, one two three four five collections. Yeah. Um. I okay. So I'm trying to I'm trying to control myself here because I think it's very tempting for me to react the same way that I did when I saw the um, the Seiko Minnow when those came out. Mm-hmm. Um. So maybe they're cool in person. Uh, I definitely can't see myself going for the suits or sense or street or anything like that. This sport, the sports one, I think some people are going to be pretty excited about the idea of getting a blue SKX. Right. Because that, that's essentially what it is. It's a, it's a, I don't know, it's a kind of cut down version of an skx 007 but it's blue dial blue bezel that's pretty cool i guess i'm sure i'm sure these are fine and i'm sure if i got one and i wore it i would like it i just it still just obsessed me because it doesn't like do anything for me like it yeah it's like it's like if i go to a really nice restaurant and i see chicken fingers on the menu like sure i don't, I don't really want chicken fingers you know what i mean but I know if I order them, I'll like them. But I'm in a nice restaurant. I don't want fucking chicken fingers. But that doesn't mean I don't like chicken fingers. I just don't want them in this fucking restaurant. <laughs> See what I'm saying? Like, I'm sure the watches are great. If I want something that looks like this, I'm I'm gonna get like a micro brand or something else like this. Yeah. Um. So let's sorry. So there's sports. That's this blue one. Suits. For some reason, this this one. Uh, this the suits one is this one with Fotina and this mesh. Oh my god, there's copy for each one of these. Oh, this is fucking perfect. All right. You know uh, what's strange? So like the the uh, European pricing is it's high. 280 to 340 euros. I didn't see that before. That's that sounds high. Is that that's not what the US pricing is, is it? I mean, the US pricing will will reflect that, I'm sure. That's that's a lot. Okay. For, I take it back. These are fucking stupid. <laughs> if you want me to pay that much fucking money for these watches, absolutely not. Yeah. Dude, they're Seiko fives. Yeah. It's uh This is gonna be more than my fucking Seiko Sumo, which I could literally use as a as an implemented melee to beat these watches to death. (laughs) I'm glad that you said that because I kind of I I immediately pictured you using your sumo as a hammer to (laughs) to bash this green one. I could do it, man. I would trust in the strength of my sumo and the strength. So this one is, watch will emerge victorious. Yeah, dude. So I'm gonna read. So the Seiko, so the Seiko Five Sports. There's a little piece of copy here. It says "Go beyond the norm." And then the suits. It says "The power of refinement." And then for specialists, which is this like croc leather with this rose gold case. It says <laughs> "A look for all times." It's a shitty look for all times, if you want to be honest. And then the streets one. With this person who doesn't know how to wear a watch holding a skateboard, it says, do it your way. <laughs> and then senses, it looks like someone at like a fucking like PA or, or no, it's like a, it's like a DJ mixer. 
It's ah. uh, creativity is all about the detail. Whatever, fucking nerds. I just, I just, you know, you know what I love. Whenever someone's like, "Oh, creativity X Y Z," they interpret creativity as jamming a bunch of uh, as many useless details into something as humanly possible. Oh, it means I'm creative. No, it just means you have no taste. Sorry, <gasps> there's a difference. <sighs> yeah, I did. I didn't dare go into like the actual Seiko website. Because I, I, it's probably full of ridiculous lifestyle photography. Yeah, man. That is trying to. <laughs> we gotta buy these stupid... guys on skateboards. Is <laughs> this the the one that's the streets? Just this fucking tool bag who doesn't know how to wear his watch, holding his skateboard, and it just says the word streets, and it's got the it's got the watch there. It's like, dude, no. I miss the I miss the days of watch marketing when it was just Leo wearing a holding a watch. Wrong. He did, he, you want to talk about didn't know how to hold wear watches? That motherfucker. Didn't know how to wear his goddamn. Well, well, those were those were tags, right? He was doing those them for tags. tags. Yeah, <laughs> those were the days, man. I'd see them at airports. All Things the airports. Simpler. Things were simpler, man. The milk, the you, you still got your milk delivered to the door. You know, <laughs> elections were simple and straightforward. A hashtag they never were. Spoiler alert: elections were never simple, guys. It just seems like that. Man, oh man. I don't like them. I know people like them, and that's totally fine. And I'm sure people are going to buy these and love these. I'm not going to buy these. I'm not going to yeah. buy one of these. I mean, I, I I have two SKXs, and I think it's kind of hard to it's kind of hard to beat right now. Yeah. Um, the four R thirty six. That's pretty cool. That's pretty cool, actually. Yeah. That's Hard a good legs, feature. See through case back. They're they're exhibition case backs. Oh, I didn't know that. That's what it says. Do they decorate these four R thirty sixes, or is it just a bunch of slabs of steel glued to each it. other? I doubt I it. Doubt. <laughs> man, yeah. oh man! A lot of cops out today. Yeah, they're coming. Yes. They're they're coming to arrest us for looking at these fucking hideous watches. We've committed Rolex, a crime. Rolex heard me talking shit. We gotta get that motherfucker. <laughs> now I'm it gonna takes, disappear in a jail cell. It takes two years Oops. to make one Rolex. Thirteen <laughs> engineers die in the process. <laughs> it's our modern version of the death clock, as far as I'm concerned. <sighs> the room is full of mercury. Sorry, um, I know way too much about death clocks. So. Yeah, I think that's the verdict. You're waiting to really express judgment until you, I guess you see them. I have no problem expressing judgment. I don't give a fuck. I don't like them. Um, but huge props if anyone does get these and if they do like them. Yeah, I, I just find it difficult to see where these fit in also because um, the Seiko 5 collection has just historically been way cheaper. And I think the pricing is a little off. Um, also, people are saying that this is an SKX replacement. I still think that's the turtle. Um, and that's what made most sense for me. Yeah. Um, yeah. These are way too expensive, dude. What is, what, so what's two, two, 280 euro is like what? 350 USD? $4,000. <laughs> what, what happened to the market? <laughs> Let me see. 280 euro is 316 USD. That's a lot for a Seiko 5, dude. Yeah. Even with the 4R36. Yeah. Why even call these Seiko 5s? So you could show off the new shitty logo? <laughs> 
I kind of like the logo. I think the logo looks cool. It looks like those stylized S links you used to like scroll on your desk in grade school. You know what I'm talking about? I see that now. <laughs> you can never unsee it. The first time I saw it, I'm like, oh, good. Now that that's great. I remember my, what my desk looked like in fucking fourth grade. Thanks. <laughs> Dicks. That's what it looks like. You know what I'm talking about, right? I do. I yeah, do. Man. Oh, well. Let's see what happens. Let's see what happens. Shall we uh, move on to the main topic? Yeah, I'm getting angry. Let me close these fucking tabs. So let's do this. Let me... <clears throat> so this is going to be a lot of fun. We haven't talked about Soviet watches in a long time. And I think any discussion of Soviet watches kind of needs to be prefaced with a bit of uh, a bit of clarification. There is a difference between uh, Soviet watches and Russian watches. Um, okay. That might be that might be super like 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 der obviously nerd to like some people, but some people might not understand the basic uh, definition that I use um, as someone that's been in Russian watches for a while. And I've written a lot about Russian watches on the site. You know, I'll put a bunch of links up as well in the show notes. And if you just go on the site and you search for Russian watches, you'll see it. Um, uh, the thing is, Soviet watches, Soviet watch brands, are Soviet watch brands or were because they were government owned. A Russian watch brand, all Russian watch brands now are privately owned. And that change basically occurred when the Soviet Union fell in 1991-1992. Around that time, it was like dominoes. So factories, so the factories were government owned and they either closed or they went through a slow process of um, changing hands or, you know, they closed, were dormant for years, and then someone bought it at, like, an auction for $5 and then just, like, opened the doors again. Hmm. Um, so that's the... $5, <laughs> dude. You could, buy, you could buy yourself a fucking... You could buy the Pobetta factory for $5. It's possible. Um, so that's the big thing. Soviet watch brands were owned by the government. Uh, Russian watch brands, as we know them today, are all privately owned. The Russian watch brands that are still around today that used to be Soviet watch brands are... Like the the ones we all basically are super familiar with, so um, uh, Vostok, um, Raketa. Technically, that's it. You could argue that it's either what's, what's Pobeda? What's that one? Pobeda is one of those government-owned brands that was technically manufactured by several different um, uh, Soviet watch factories that were government-owned oh, okay. at the time. It was probably one of its more like accessible ones. Like most kids and like you know adults and things like that that grew up during the Soviet Union, they had a Pobeda. Hmm. You know. Okay. Um, and it's really really cool. I'll talk I'll I'll talk about Pobeda in a little bit because it's kind of related to this. But uh, I think the most the two, it's, so Raketa and uh, Vostok are the two most like you know well known of those um, watch brands. Obviously Vostok is super well known just because of the amphibia. We did an entire episode on the Vostok amphibia, which was a lot of fucking fun actually. Yeah. Um, and then Raketa, Raketa is still known pretty well because it has some designs that still catch people's eyes, and technically, uh, they had a, they they aggressively tried to have this resurgence in like two thousand and nine, two thousand and ten, two thousand and eleven. They're still trying now, but they're trying it in a different way. I think some interesting, and I'll just I'll just flag these now. Some interesting iconic. Raketa models, obviously the the big zero, um, is a pretty well known one. Um, uh, 
the um, the Rakeda Copernic Copernicus with the sun and the fucking like moon hands or whatever. You know? Oh, that one's that one's pretty popular. That one's a lot of fun. Probably incredibly faked. But that's just what I always think. It's tough. It's the thing is there's there are probably three or four versions of that watch. So if you know what those versions are, you know, you should be able to find one, I think. Yeah. Just depends. Uh there's also the Raketa Perpetual Calendar, which is not actually a perpetual calendar. Um, I think most of them ended in 2000, 2001. I think the cat, cause like, it's not like a proper, um, like mechanical, like, 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 like perpetual calendar function, uh, that like that ties into the, the, like the mainspring, like, like gear train and gets energy. You just like you, it's a bunch of wheels and you just turn them with like a second crown and the, the, the dates shift, but the dates only go, I think to like 1999 or 2001 and then just time stops. You know, so they're not actually perpetual calendars, but they're a lot of fun. They came in a lot of really fun colors. There's all kind of cost of cool, like, you know, dial stuff on there and everything like that. Cool. Uh, let me think what else other phone Raketa models. Oh, I'm probably forgetting some, um, but those are the three that I think are, are a lot of fun. So I think the history of Raketa is interesting because it's been through the majority of like huge like 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 history events that russia has gone through and i think what's interesting and what makes um Riketa, Riketa watch factory as it, we know it now which is not what it was called i think what makes it special is that it's technically not just the oldest watch factory it's the oldest factory in russia basically the the the, the spot where that factory was opened it was opened in st petersburg in i think 17 i wrote it down 1721 by Peter the Great, specifically, and this is important to know also, because Riketa is actually really prideful in its history, in this history, specifically for the processing, polishing, and usage of precious stones. Precious stones to go into, like, intricate metalwork, to go into, like, fucking, like, stupid gifts and all kinds of bullshit, like, specifically... Stupid like, gifts. Stupid fucking <laughs> gifts, all right? Um, specifically to, to, to kind of, like, 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 process utilize and then like present and like work with these like um these gemstones uh again which is which is important um and it basically it did it it did that in the 1800s during a few skirmishes it was converted to like create weapons but then it returned to doing uh gemstones again Riketa's history doesn't really shift until um the the red revolution the bolshevik revolution 1917 until that occurs the reason that's a really big deal, and I talk about this in some of the pieces that I wrote also, is uh, I'm trying to think of a way to succinctly explain the Russian, rev- like like the Red Revolution, Soviet Union occurring overnight. It's kind of hard. Basically, for hundreds and hundreds of years, uh, the noble class and like the Tsars uh, overtaxed uh, and just basically oppressed a lot of the working class like peasants farmers trades those types of people uh to the point where they were overtaxed to fund wars they were basically like peasants and like like non-nobles existed purely for like basic functions to keep the country going but then also just they were employed as like craftsmen to make stupid little gifts like the fucking like like like, like the jewels that that mm-hmm. the Rakeda, uh, Rosh Factory was making in the 1700s would go in stupid little like gifts that the stars would have and like dumb clocks and shit like that. Yes. Um, the reason that's an issue is during this time, 1800s, like late 1800s, while other countries are industrializing, Russia's not doing anything. 
You know, there were a couple of great famines. People were basically just dying. But during that time, the noble class was still just hanging out and just kind of like doing cool shit, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and then over time, you know, it just became very clear to a lot of the people who weren't nobles, who weren't part of like the czars and their circles that we need to industrialize. We need to compete as a world economic power because A, we have land. We have a fuck ton of people who can work. And see, a fuck ton of people who really want to work, guys. Yeah. You know? But the way the government was structured didn't support that. So basically, uh, what had happened is 1917, Red Revolution, basically, that all changed. You know, um, nobles were basically rounded up. Um, and, like, the whole birth of communism happened. Basically, in a nutshell, communism was the expunging of this culture which sort of supported this oppression and this lack of self-reliance. Because the other issue was during this time before the revolution, Russia had to rely on other countries for lots of things because Russia couldn't do it itself. Russia wasn't industrialized. This is all important, I promise, guys. So um, Russian Revolution happened. Soviet Union was formed. Soviet Union was formed specifically to do away with sort of frivolous things. Nothing needs to be done except for the betterment of the entire country. And also our own self-reliance. We're no mm-hmm. longer going to look outside of the now, now what we're calling, you know, Soviet Union for what we need. We're no longer going to rely on other people for what we need. We're going to be able to do it ourselves. Um, and no one's basically going to, like, take that away from us. And so for two, three hundred years in St. Petersburg, this gem manufacturing factory um, was converted to... It was still working with gems, but it was now... And this is what's funny. It was still working with gems, but now gems specifically to go into Russian watches. So the relationship between Raketa before it was Raketa and what's called now, and I guess back then technically too, the first Moscow uh, watch factory, first Moscow watch factory in 1930. So that's, oh, fuck math. 12 or 13 years after the Soviet Union um, was formed. So after the Red Revolution, mm-hmm. October Revolution, um, Raketa was making, um, you know, jewel bearings to go in first Moscow watch factory uh, movements. First Moscow watch factory would eventually come to be called Polyot Polyots in like, uh, fuck, 1950? 19, no, not yet, yeah, like, like, like the 1950s. So, let me think here. 13 years after the revolution, uh, Raketa in St. Petersburg was making jewel bearings for first Moscow watch factory. And then... Then the, then, then the Nazis burned it down. <laughs> the The factory was destroyed in the siege of uh, oh God, the siege of Leningrad. Len, back then it was called Leningrad. Now it's St. Petersburg. Um, factory was burned down. It's gone. It's gone now. Uh, it was gone for five years. 1949, they rebuilt it. But in 1949, but, but between 1944 and 1949, what had occurred was the Soviet Union had struck a good deal for the Soviet Union. Technically bad for this other people. Um, Soviet has struck a deal with Lip. We've talked with Lip before on this yeah. on the show when we do um, uh, Soviet watches. Uh, Lip was uh, a French watch manufacturer, probably the second most integral partnership the Soviet Union had ever made for their own watch movements. Soviet Union purchased Lip technology, Lip technicians to come and train them, uh, Lip you know uh, machinery and things like that, and so. Uh, this was circulating through several of the uh, 
different watch uh, manufacturers in the in the in the Soviet Union at the time. And in 1949, when um, I should stop calling it Raketa, it's not Raketa, it's not Raketa yet. It's the Petrode. I can't ever say this name. Petrode Petrode Voretz Petrovoretz factory. It's technically, I think what it's uh, what it's called. Um, 1949, when it was rebuilt after it was burned down by the Nazis, like it, you know, like you do. Uh, they basically said, okay, let's just, let's just not make jewels here anymore. Let's not make jewel bearings for watch movements anymore. Let's just make fucking watches. We're building this thing from the ground up. Let's just make watches. And so they did. Uh, Lip technology was shared with the uh, Petrovoretz watch factory in 1949. And they started making Zvezda watches, which are like these cool little um, like, like, like rectangular bubble-ish looking timepieces. They're really a lot of fun. And then also Pabetta watches. The Pabetta watches thing is in, is is important because technically the modern iteration of Raketa, which I'll talk about, still sells Pabetta watches, but they're all quartz. I don't mm. think any of them are mechanical. But these first Pabettas are really fucking cool because if this lip technology was never shared with the Petrovoretz factory in the form of these Pabetta watches, we would not have Raketa the way we uh, kind of saw them during their heyday in the Soviet Union. So that's from like the 70s to the 90s and then technically how we see them today because they're still existing on the technology they got um, from Pabetta, which Pabetta was, you know, had gotten from Lip. And basically that's in the form, I'm going to jump a few steps here. That's in the form of my favorite movement of all time, Michael, which we haven't talked about in the show in a long time, but it's the movement in my big zero. It's the Raketa 2609. So the framework and the building blocks for the Raketa 2609 came from the LIP R25 or R26. I always mix them up, uh, which we got from Pabetta, which Pabetta got from LIP and which LIP had, you know, come up with. I think LIP is still technically around, but man, they're not doing good. I'm looking at a photo of this R25 movement and it's, mm-hmm. it's crazy. It looks... It looks just like the the movements that I see in um, in these uh, Soviet watches. If like it usually. wasn't if it wasn't for that Lip R two five movement, we would not have the Raketa two six XX calibers because Raketa had iterated so like intelligently on the two six caliber that mm-hmm. it's just it's just so much fun to see all the different like things that they did. So oh, I forgot one popular Raketa model, the twenty four hour Arctic model. The twenty-four hour dial, oh, I like that one. Antarctic one, yeah. That's yeah. that's that that movement is technically like a spinoff of the two six blah 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 movement. So okay, what year am I at? <laughs> okay, sorry, I'm looking at this Arctic now. No, you're good. So that was 1949. So that's so so 1949 to like 1960-ish. Uh, that's what they were doing. They were doing Zvesta. They were doing uh, Pobeda watches. Raketa officially became Raketa officially became a brand after i think one of the most significant events not just in soviet or russian or, or european history in fucking world history um yuri gagarin uh i guess basically what being the first man in space what's what's technically technically just, the, yeah yeah he just orbited the, uh first got, guy to go in orbit he got into a washing machine they strapped him to 400 bottle rockets and they shot his dumb ass <laughs> up into space and he smiled <laughs> The whole fucking time. <laughs> <laughs> after so after that, um, that affected a lot of the Russian. 
a lot of the Soviet watch factories, because like I mentioned before, Soviet watch factories were all government owned. So the government at this time, it's competing to be a European power. It's going to flex as much as it can and everything it does. So uh, Vostok, I think technically became Vostok because Yuri Gagarin's washing machine with bottle rockets was called the Vostok one, right? Correct. Yeah. Uh, Raketa became Raketa because Raketa means rocket. Mm hmm. That's basically it. That I know. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so Raketa became Raketa. So Yuri Gagarin was up in space in 1961. Raketa became Raketa in 1962. And so it's from this point where Raketa starts becoming like really recognizable as the brand that we see them now. When we go on eBay and we type in vintage Raketa, we see a whole bunch of shit at this point. Uh, is that when and when that really really occurred? So that's when they really started heavily iterating on the two six um, like XX you know uh, uh, you know movement line. I'm trying. I'm looking here at my notes. Ba, 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 ba. So here's where it gets really cool. I'm gonna I'm gonna pause for a second here. Am I on the weeds or are we still on for the ride, Michael? Still on for the ride, man. Okay. Here's where it gets really cool. At this point in time in Europe, so this isn't, so we're not quite at the quartz crisis yet, obviously. So mechanical watches are still really, really cool. Um, Swiss watches are obviously still carrying their uh, prestige. And just a bit of like subcategory history. Uh, the Soviet Union struggled like motherfuckers to get their watch industry booming. They were tired of buying Swiss parts to make watches inside uh russia because that's what was basically occurring before the red revolution you would get little micro like craftsmen small watch shops that would have to import pieces from like disassembled pieces from switzerland or other countries into russia because if they tried if they tried what's what was the if they tried importing whole watches they would get taxed out the ass so the way they worked around that which is like a theme in russian history the way they or so Soviet Union history, way they worked around that is just they just shipped it in parts, you know, avoided the taxes, and then had skilled craftsmen put them together in uh, in Russia. After that kind of kind of happened with Rolex too. It's pretty like typical. Really, fuckers, dude. Yeah, but they they would ship heads here, and then JB Champion would make the bracelets for them. Maybe that's why it takes a year to make one Rolex. They're still doing that. <laughs> They're still doing that, yeah. They're duct taping mainsprings to a donkey, and the donkey's got to walk from fucking wherever to wherever, and then when it to, gets there, they club it to death. To wind it up. <laughs> 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 that's awesome. Um, so, there's two, so there's two huge, huge just jump starts, like booms that help the Soviet Union watch industry be what it is. First of them... I mentioned there was a lip, um, lip, for a lip French watch manufacturer. The first one and most significant, and I've mentioned this on the show, but it's been a while. Uh, it was actually, it was, uh, it, was, it was Canton, Ohio. <laughs> Let me double check. I'm pretty sure it was in Canton. It's about to get weird. <laughs> it's going to get weird, dude. Uh, let me see here. One second. Now I want one of these Arctics. They're cool, man. They're a lot of fun. Canton, Ohio. It's Canton, Canton, Ohio. So if you are from Canton, Ohio, you are living in uh, 
I guess one of the sort of birthplaces of, of Soviet watches. So basically what happened was Soviet Union, um, 1930, 1920-ish, late 1920s actually, they're trying to get their watch, uh, they're trying to industrialize their watch uh, you know, manufacturing and they can't do it. None of the European countries want to help them because like, why would they help the Soviet Union? That's another fucking country they have to compete with. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So uh, Swiss wouldn't help them. Germans wouldn't help them. Um, technically, who ended up helping them was us. Uh, so Duver Hampton was a pocket watch manufacturer in Canton, Ohio, which was basically going out of business. And they said, hey, who wants to buy our shit? We're not using it anymore. Um, and the Soviet Union answered the call. A bunch of Russian delegates had gone to in Canton, Ohio, looked at the factory, bought all the machinery, bought the patents, bought materials, and paid for, I think, like 16 or 17 or 20, some kind of odd number um Duberhampton uh, uh 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 yeah no yeah Duberhampton uh, technicians to live in Moscow for a year um teaching the uh, Russian technicians and the, the, the like the Russian workers there how to use the machinery how to do all that stuff blah 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 so if it wasn't for um Duberhampton in Canton Ohio and then also Lip the French watch manufacturer we would not have Soviet Union we, the Soviet Union industry wouldn't have been what it was hmm. Whew. I went through all that because uh, there was still this like idea of prestige within European watches. And the other factor in that is how the Soviet Union had to constantly fight against that. Like, okay, our European allies are not going to help us. We have to think differently. Uh, we have to do things differently. And so Riketa was actually one of the birthplaces of, I think, probably the coolest Soviet watch innovation. And that was automation. 19, the middle of 1977, I should really fucking read my notes, 1977, um, Riketa basically fully automized movement manufacturing to the horror of the rest of Europe. Because, mm. like, it's supposed to be, like, dudes and girls, mostly, I, I think actually mostly women, mostly, like, like, women at, like, an assembly line and, like, they're doing things, but, like... By automating their movement production, they they could make watches faster. I think in their heyday, they were making like 5 million watches a year or something like that, which is like insane at the time. That's just Riketa. That's not kind of the other 25 fucking government-owned watch manufacturers in the Soviet Union at the time. And so they fully automized the movements, uh, movement manufacturing, which meant they could be more creative with dials, um, with different little things, complication, quote-unquote complications you could add to the 2.6 uh -huh. um, XX movement line. And so that's where you got a lot of really fun stuff. It's around this time where you got that Copernicus, you got the Perpetual Calendar, you got those Riketa Arctics. Mm -hmm. It's also probably one of my favorite like niche uh, segments of Riketa watch history, which I would love to explore more. They're just so fucking rare. They... To honor their history as a gem processor, they started making gem dials. They made like precious stone uh, dials, put them in their watches. Horribly ugly. I've showed you photos of them, Michael. They're yeah, fucking, I think I think they're, I think we talked about them. <laughs> we, I, we I think they look pretty cool. <laughs> I think they're cool, but people are like these things are ugly as sin. All right. <laughs> There's one though for me, and uh, I'll never get it. They made. Uh, Riketa made a watch entirely of like malachite, which is like a which is like jade. That's the one that made it on the show. Yeah, is it? Oh my yeah, god! Yeah. So if you if you type in jade Riketa, what do you get? Yeah, dude. Oh, I want this watch so bad. It's yep. never gonna happen though. So yeah. 
the reason they were able to do this kind of be more creative is because they weren't spending all their fucking time putting movements together. The machines were doing that. The machine, in the words of Alan Watts, the machines paying for it. The machine was putting the movements together, you know. And so um, you got a lot of really really fun dials. There's one dial also which uh, Mark Gordon I think made kind of popular because he had a fascination with it. Mark Gordon, may he rest in peace. It's mm-hmm. a it's a it's a kite dial. So the Raketa logo, each point of it has a string going to another point across on the other side of the dial. It looks like someone's flying a kite. But the kite is the Raketa logo. It's really cool. <laughs> it's really a lot of fun. Um, you don't see that in other Soviet Union uh, watches at the time. Yeah. Usually they were pretty, not sterile, but straightforward. They needed to be legible. Um, or they needed to be functional, which Vostok had the handle on. Oh, also, Michael, this is around the time, the Raketa School. Not the building, because there is a Raketa School. But the Raketa School watch uh, came into being. You remember this watch? Those are fine. It was like pink and blue. There's a pink version, there's a blue version, and the dial looks like lined paper. And the idea right. is that these were watches that were meant for school children. <sighs> it's adorable. It's so fucking cool. <laughs> <laughs> it's this the, the only reason Riquet was able to do that is because they automated movement production, which was like unheard of at the time. Whew, okay. Still with me? Or are we in the I'm weeds? Still, yet? I'm still with you. No, okay. This is great. 1977. And so 1977, basically to the end of the USSR, Raketa was doing its thing, and Raketa was killing it, man. And the fall of the USSR, obviously, um, everything changed. Uh, overnight, a lot of these factories just upsticked, or people just got fired. Or in the case of Vostok, the case of Vostok, it was really fucking weird. Um, mm. Vostok was paying a lot of their technicians who were from, I think, like Lithuania and things like that. They were paying them in ownership like shares, the government was paying them an ownership shares of Vostok to the point where when the USSR fell, the owners just, the the, the workers just owned the factory. Like, oh, I guess it's just ours now. And <laughs> for a long, this is just, remember, this is Vostok, it's not Raketa. And so for a long time, in order to make back their wages, Vostok factory workers were just selling Vostok watches on the, on the streets in the 90s because no one was paying because the government wasn't paying them. The government wasn't the government anymore. Imagine yeah. Imagine <laughs> working in a factory owned by the government and then one day the government's gone. Like, yo, I got fucking kids to feed, man. I got bills. <laughs> how, how am I going to pay for my Hulu subscription? You know? So they were just Ugh. on the streets just selling Vostoks. Um, and then obviously, not obviously, eventually those people uh, formed Vostok Europe and Vostok Europe is still making Vostok watches. Blah, blah, blah. Raketa was different. Raketa sort of was one of those factories that went in the dark. Um... Ownership after the fall of the Soviet Union is kind of like murky. They did, I, I, I think they tried doing some stuff, but basically the factory was closed after the fall of the USSR hmm. until about the year 2000, like the mid 2000s, where ownership changed hands a couple of times until the company that owns Raketa now owns them. I could be wrong. Actually, no, I'm not wrong. The company, and so this is where the details get murky because right now the way Raketa is, they just want to focus on their Soviet Union history as they should. They don't necessarily want you to focus on like who owns what now. Uh, So it's privately owned now. It's privately owned by a company based in France. Um, A lot of their corporate like offices seem to, for some reason, and addresses seem to be France, Paris. there's, There's a Raketa showroom in Paris. Why isn't there? Why isn't there a Raketa show? I know, right? Why isn't there a Raketa showroom here in Disney Springs, man? I demand one in Disney. 
Oh, <laughs> uh, that's so good. Um, you can be the manager. Oh my god, I'll do, I would do that in a second. Right? <laughs> Hello, my name is Vlad. I should really stop making that joke. You're just, you're just, you're just sitting by a printer all day. <laughs> just one printer. <laughs> Hello, would you like to look at Russian watches? It's my it's my wife. Please stop talking to me like that. No, I can't. Otherwise, I lose accent. <laughs> I'm method acting. Don't you understand? I, I, I am Vlad. I make watch for love of ocean. So, uh, Brocketta is now privately owned. It was quiet after the fall of the USSR until about the 2000s. And here's where it gets kind of weird. Again, ownership is kind of like like odd in terms of like who owns it. Obviously, the government doesn't own it. It's privately owned now. But there's two. I'm trying to find my notes here. There's two interesting 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 things that happened. So in 2009, 2010, they aggressively started trying to get their shit together. Like I was mentioning in the beginning of the show, and they actually did that um, with a lot with a lot of help from Swiss technology uh, and technically there's two names that come up with the modern resurgence of Raketa I don't put too much value behind them I think they're just trying to name drop but it's um a lot of the gaps with Raketa's manufacturing process and manufacturing facility specifically with machinery a lot of the gaps were filled um, with swatch technology in 2009 2010. Okay. And then eventually, a few years later, like the lead engineer at Raketa used to be um, the lead or one of the engineers at like Rolex. And so they're like constantly like hammering that like, oh, you know, we have this guy that used to work at Rolex and now he's here. He could have swept the floors of Rolex. I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't know. You know what I'm saying? Hold on, my wife's here. What's up? I have to go to work. Okay, love you. Love you too. Mwah. The boat, the... Yeah, I'll manage. I'll manage. No more rice. There's no more rice. We're fucked, Michael. I'm gonna have to eat the cats. There's always more rice. <laughs> There's always more rice. We have a we have like a we have like a like a giant fucking tub of just like <laughs> of just like short grain um, Asian rice that we just make. Nice. It, it goes so you can, you get like a multi sized bag of it for thirty five cents, and it lasts you forever. You know. What's it talking about? So, the, so they're they're always hammering like like oh you know this guy used to work at Rolex and now he works here. Like I said, he could have he could have plunged toilets. I don't fucking know, but like that's something they definitely really um, hammer. You know these these days. What do we do? What do I talk about now? I guess modern. So modern Rolex. Or no, there you go. See that that it works. You can't get they, it. They tricked me. Give up. Modern modern Raketa, Um <laughs> Modern Raketa, they're still using a lot of the same uh, machines they used during the Soviet Union, which is really cool. But like I mentioned before, they're filling in some modern gaps with swatch technology. Literally same factory, though. Here's what's cool. Same factory. Same factory, same building. But here's what's funny. Um, In its heyday, in its heyday, well, the thing is, dude, when the Soviet Union collapsed, the last thing the government's worrying about is, guys, what are we going to do about our watch factories? Like, they don't give... (laughs) Like they had, they had other problems. So a lot of these factories, they closed overnight and they just sat. People just left and never came back. Pallets of shit was just still there. Machines were still there. You know, you know what I mean. Like, so it's it's odd, but you buy the factory, you walk in, everything's still there. You know, so like what, if there like, what if there's a case of like NOS big zeros somewhere? Just that in happens. The corner? 
that that, that the for, for after after the '90s when a lot of these things that they think start getting purchased that happens. So the other so um, this didn't happen in Vostok's. Well, actually, this might happen in Vostok's case. But the most famous iteration of this kind of occurring was with was with Polyot, the first Moscow watch factory. First Moscow watch factory uh, closed was purchased by a group of German and Russian businessmen and. Mm-hmm. In the middle of the '90s, you would every they they would just sell like NOS stuff they would find just in boxes. It happened. I doubt I doubt it's going to happen anymore, just because we have 30 years of history, mm-hmm. you know, from then to now. But um, Raketa is really good, and I would love to do a road trip there. Raketa is really good about getting a lot of the stuff captured in their um, museum. There's a Raketa museum in the Petrovoretz watch factory, and so a lot of museum quality pieces there probably stuff they found when they just opened the doors again it's crazy is this also the same factory that did like those strellas and secondas and was it just a lot of brands sharing the factory so that's the that's the case with most russian watch factories most russian watch factories um really i guess except vostok uh, most Russian watch factories manufactured multiple different quote-unquote brands. Because remember, they're all government-owned. I see. You know? So Strela, what you're... So technically, Seconda was made by a lot of the Russian watch... Fa- or, oh, sorry, Soviet watch factories, which were closer to Europe, because Seconda is what they would put on the dial for models that get exported to Europe. So technically, um, Petrovoretz did make Seconda pieces... Um, Someone else did uh, as well, but they did Seconda versions of their own watches. So technically, the Strela Seconda thing you're talking about was over at Polyot, because Strela is part of the first Moscow watch factory. Um, mm. A good rule of thumb is anytime you see a mechanical chronograph, it's coming from the first Moscow watch factory. Because the first first Moscow watch factory, um, they did the Polyot. Uh, man, I'm gonna fuck this up. Thirty one thirty three, because they purchased the technical like capabilities patents and rights for the venus 167 or no the value 7734 that's what it is sorry the value 7734 um is what helped create mechanical chronographs in uh the soviet union um in the version of the polyot 3133 the strela 3017 movement came from something else that might have come from a venus i think that one was the venus yeah 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 it's, it's, you still have your your thirty one thirty three? I, I do remember. I wow. do. I still have my Polyot thirty one thirty three. Wow. I'm wrestling with uh, whether or not I should sell it. <laughs> I don't know. We'll see. But uh, what was I gonna say here? Ba-ba-ba-ba-ba. Yeah. So the, it's the same factory. Um, in its heyday, it had six thousand people. Now I saw a number. I saw a fucking hilarious number. It's sixty. Now there's are 60 they, people. Are they hiring? <laughs> I know, right? Uh, man, they're not hiring, but they... Um, so Raketa is still iterating on the movement technology that made it huge and famous in the 70s, 80s, and 90s, or 70s and 80s, which it was built, which was built from lip technology. They're still iterating on the 2, 2X, or the 2X, 26XX uh, movement line. What Raketa seems to be doing these days, they have a watchmaking school, they're doing a whole bunch of different versions of this in-house 2-6 uh, movement, and they seem to be trying to position themselves as a movement supplier. So I've spoken to a few micro-brands who said hmm. they they caught up with Raketa, and Raketa tried uh, 
you know, like the propositioning sounds so weird. Um, a, expressing that they could be a movement, you know, supplier uh, supplier as well. So Rakita sure. is still making some modern iterations of their watches. They're still doing a version of the Big Zero, which I don't like. Um, they're doing something called the Raketa Avant-Garde or something like that. It looks like a really weird jacked up version of the Copernicus, in my uh-huh. opinion. I don't like it. Oh, I've seen that one. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's weird, man. Um, really cool in Raketa's history. So before the Vostok Amphibia became the, the, the dive watch of choice in the Soviet Union, there was basically a competition between Vostok and Raketa to win that government sort of contract, and Raketa came up with their version of a diver. So at the time, the Vostok Amphibia wasn't like a branded thing. All divers, quote-unquote divers, were called Amphibia. So at the time, it was the Raketa Amphibia. Um, Raketa Amphibia did not win. Uh, The Vostok Amphibia won, as it should have. Vostok Amphibia is a superior diver, but Raketa is doing a modern version of the Raketa Amphibia, and it looks pretty cool. Yeah, I do. I see. I see it here on their, on their site. Yeah, it's, it's actually badass. It's funny because of all the modern versions of their iconic watches they're doing. That's probably the most most faithful and most badass looking one. Um, the rotor, the rotor is decorated. It has a, a topless mermaid on it. God damn it! I love it. <laughs> 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 That's so good. Anyways. Um, the issue with modern Raketa watches is they're too expensive. You're yes. looking at approximately a thousand USD if you want to get a modern uh, Raketa watch. I'm working on trying to get a modern Raketa watch in for review, just because I know I have a lot of questions. Like, I'm not about to preclude the idea that it's worth a thousand bucks. I just don't believe it yet. Yeah, because if it if it's on the same quality level as like Oris, okay, you would have my attention. That that's that's a good point, you know. It, it's a cool this this amphibia. It, it, it's it's everything people like buy an Oris for. You know, it's just like clean hmm. clean dive watch, zero three six nine dial, no date, big. I love that seconds hand. It's just big fat arrow. Yeah, that's the that that that's one of the things they stayed true to to the original Raketa amphibia. The original Raketa Damn. amphibia, um, it's like plastic. Yeah. Like the case, is, <laughs> the case is like a weird plastic material. It was pretty cool. They did a lot of really fun experimenting back then. Um, so I mean, that's basically it, I guess. It, there's a lot of other information, um, but I'm trying to keep it within the time like frame that's, here. Yeah, you're, you're right on time. <laughs> um, was that too long-winded or was that like informative at all? I think it was very informative. Okay. Um I'm always I always find myself looking at at both modern and um you know vintage versions of the stuff that we talked about but it's such a it's hard to navigate so this was helpful. I want to do a write up. I want to do a proper write up because I have write ups on the site for general Russian watch history which is a lot of fun. Um it covers a lot of like the pre Soviet Union stuff that I talked about, like what led to the Red Revolution and how that influenced um, sure. the Soviet watch industry. Uh there's also excuse me, a write-up for the um first Moscow watch factory, a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. There's a write-up for Vostok uh as well, and so I need to do this write-up for uh for Raketa. So I would love to get my hands on a modern Raketa. Have you seen the modern iteration or like reimagining of the Big Zero? No, I hate it. 
Let's see. Like Mechanical. I'll take a look later. Okay. Cool. Yeah. Cool. But yeah, that's it. I want to try and get one of these in, play with it, see what's up. But um, yeah, I I love Soviet watches. Um, I wish we talked about them on the show more. I guess we can. It's our fucking show. It's not like we have a boss. It is. We 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 yes. are we are our bosses, so we can we can do whatever we want. Hope everyone enjoyed the information. Superstar, if it was like in the weeds or, or kind of long winded. There's honestly a lot more to say about Raketa. So if you have any like questions or anything like that, or or you know if you are looking forward to the you know history of Raketa watches sort of write up, let me know to give me encourage encouragement. You know, prick it so and courages. You know what I'm saying? So. Let me know what's up. Um, let me see. Let me make sure I didn't miss anything. Red Revolution, Frisco Master Watch Factory, Seizure Leningrad, Lip, Yuri Gagarin, Automated Watch Processes, Fall Soviet Union, Swiss Rolex, Lubitz. That's about it. Pretty sweet. <laughs> uh, let me try and let me try and do a re- do you actually? I, I've been talking for the past forty-five fucking minutes. Do you want to do the recap? Yeah, I can do the recap. Um, yeah, I have to drink water. Give me a second. You do the recap. <laughs> no problem. Fun episode. Kaz did the uh, did the history of Raketa and some uh, fun, you know, just Soviet history in general that it's, ties into the the watches. It, it's a lot of fun. I could I could talk yeah. about this all fucking day, and it's just it's it's it feels good because it's it's been too long. Appropriately, you're you're wearing your big zero today. Uh, for the wrist check, I did the Seiko SND two five three Flightmaster chronograph. Uh, in other news, Rolex is still trying to lie to you, and uh, <laughs> they're they're brainwashing employees at their ads. Uh, and those new uh, Seiko five uh, watches, what's uh, we still can't figure out if we like them. We figure I, a ton of people are going to enjoy them, but uh, I don't. I, I just just to clarify for the record, I don't like them. <laughs> I'm sure they're I'm, fine. I just don't like them. I'm still I'm still on the fence, um, you know. But again, if you enjoy them, more power to you. And uh, yeah, that's that's pretty much it. We were pretty pretty well structured this episode. For a change, for a change. <laughs> What Russian watch topic should we talk about next time we do like a Russian like like watch thing? Do you have any do you have any burning Russian watch questions? Russian watches in movies. Interesting. You remember from uh, you remember from uh, from Russia with Love that scene in the Russian embassy in Turkey with John Connor and that guy at the desk? I told you about See that, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> John Connor's in there and he's just like he's like he's like I'm sorry. Is your uh, is your clock is your, is your like, you know, what time is it? I think your clock is slow or something like that. And the guy at the desk goes, Russian clocks are always on time. And it's just like, man, come on, like, <laughs> come on, James Bond, leave these guys alone. Um, Russian watches in movies or TV? I don't. Obviously, Steve Zizow, Life Aquatic with Steve Zizow, that's probably the most popular. Um, we got to dig. We got to dig, but that'd be fun. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I can see what I can do for that. So here, let's do this. If you have any questions about Raketa or if you have any comments or anything like that, definitely let me know what's up. Super sorry if I talked super fast. Um, I don't know any other speeds for my elocution, but uh, I think, man, I don't want to go. You know what I'm saying? You ever you ever not want to do something you have to do? Waking up. Yeah. <laughs> I love how I love how taken about how gassy we're like. Yeah, dude, I have to fucking wake up. Like, what kind of <laughs> kind of dumbass question is that? So here, let's uh, let's do this. I think it's that time. I think it's that 
That's that time. Thanks for listening, gang. My name is Mike. And this is Kaz. You have been listening to Two Book Watchdogs. Later. Later.